Today on the show, we talk about the power of hitting record and how it can change everything. How's it going, everybody? Jason Croft here, the Credibility Craftsman. I've got Matt Monero on the show today, and if he is not on your radar yet, um, he needs to be. He runs a company called Commercial Fleet Financing, and it's in one of these industries that nobody's talking about. Nobody, you know, it's not any on anybody's mainstream uh, radar or anything like that, and they're doing they're probably going to do $150 million this year. Um, just phenomenal. And then I was also really excited to talk to Matt, not only about his entrepreneurial journey, but how he is so purposeful with building his brand to then build up his company and, and grow both of those things. He's an author, uh, TV host, radio host, and he's doing an amazing job, kicking out three episodes a week of his show and really, really good business content, great lessons. Um, I've listened to his first book called The Grit, uh, just fantastic, and that's what really prompted me to reach out and, and talk to Matt in the first place. Um, and now he's got this new book, You Need More Money, and I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am to, to dig in and, and devour that book. It's gonna be great. So I'm gonna stop talking because this interview is just fantastic. So let's jump in with Matt Monero. Matt Monero, welcome to the show, my friend. Nice to see you, Jason. How you doing? I am great. I, I am, the biggest thing I'm struggling with right now is where to start. <laughs> I got so many things I want to talk to you about. Awesome. So let's give, give, uh, the, give the folks a little bit of context first. Uh, let's talk about your company and commercial fleet financing, yes, mm -hmm. is, the, is, the, is the full name. And um, just how, how you got started with that, where, where you are with those things. And I mean, I want to touch on books, the company, amazingly successful company, the podcast, the show, so many layers. I'm telling you guys. I guess there's a lot going on, isn't there? A lot. So tell me about. Well, I mean, we're here. We're here at my office, and we're we're, we're rolling out. And um, our company is a very simple company. We finance big rigs, bulldozers, tow trucks. Um, we are in a, a gritty blue collar industry. We're a gritty blue collar company, and. Um, and I've been doing it for 23 years. I started it from zero with a, a phone and a folding table and a yellow pages. That's it. Oh, it's beautiful. And then, uh, you know, 23 years later, we'll do 150 million bucks this year. We've done well over a billion dollars since we started. And it's been a wild ride, man. That's, that's amazing. It's such a, I, I'm so excited to find these industries where, um, Nobody knows about exactly. <laughs> it's these hidden gems, not hidden to you, not hidden to somebody who needs what you have to sure. offer, but to everybody out there, to what you normally see in social media, what you see talked totally. about it as an entrepreneur. But just look around; they're everywhere. Commercial fleet vehicles are everywhere, yes. and nobody ever thinks about, geez, who's financing that coffee company? Right. right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So. Briefly, there's so many things I want to cover, but I do want to get get that company history a little bit and and what led to that point. What's out of all the things <laughs> to jump into? What made you start with that with that one phone and yeah, get rolling? Well, I mean, you know, the truth is that I had moved out to California. I went to cooking school to be a chef. I hated it, and then I moved out to California 
and um, I rode a bicycle from the the base of the Golden Gate Bridge all the way down the Pacific Coast Highway to Mexico. And uh, and then I rode back to stay with a buddy of mine who lived in Newport Beach. And uh, I mean, I was going no place, man. I was 23, 24, 23, I guess. And uh, so I put myself through college working for a moving company. And I just started to go to work at a moving company. I would literally, I know it sounds like our grandfathers, right? But I would literally ride my bike like 15 miles to the moving company and I would move boxes for people and then I would ride my bike back just to make ends meet. And we moved this guy into this big mansion in uh, a place in California called Lido Island. It's this little island off of Newport Beach, nothing but mansions and we're moving this guy in and and we're starting to put all these boxes and furniture into his garage. And I said, what what are we doing with these? What's going on here? And he says, I'm gonna take him to my daughter and my son-in-law's house. And I said, well, look, what if I rent a truck and instead of you hiring the big moving company, me and my buddy will come and we'll do that side job for you, right? And he's like, okay, sounds great. And um, so we, we, we go, we, we take all the stuff to his son-in-law and daughter's house and um, we move the guy in, all this sort of stuff. It's great. He's a young guy. He looks like he's doing great. And um, when we came back to the, to the mansion to get paid, the guy said, um, hey, give me your number. You know, we'll stay in touch. And wouldn't you know what he called me like two days later and he's like, hey, I got some work to to do around the house today. Why don't you help me with it? Now, now listen, I'm like like, not like a teenage kid, you know what I mean? I'm like a young adult doing these things for this guy. And long story short, he he said, it was like he had it set up. He said, look, my son-in-law really took a liking to you. What the hell are you doing moving boxes? What are you doing this for? And I said, man, I'm just trying to find my way, man. I'm searching, I'm looking. And he said, my son-in-law owns this this fleet management company. Why don't you go and interview with him? And so I didn't have a car. All I had was a bicycle. And so my my buddy, we put my bike in the back of his car. He took me to the guy's office. I stashed my bike in the bushes. (laughs) I go in, I interview, and the guy slides me keys to a company car. I put my bike in the company car and I drive back to this place I'm staying at with my buddies in Newport Beach. And that is how I got into the the fleet financing business. That is beautiful. Yeah. That is so awesome. And then two years later, I was transferred to Dallas to open up our first uh, satellite office. Okay. And that's what brought me to Dallas. I didn't know anybody. Um, and, um, And then shortly after that, everything changed. And in hindsight, I think he probably knew it. I think he probably wanted to ship me away and ship me out because, you know, I was the number one sales guy. I was a bull in a china shop. I was probably a pretty bad employee. Also, like the owner of that that son of that. Yes. That owner wanted you. I think he wanted me. I think he. I think he literally, like, picked me first to go, so that I could get out of. I could get out of home office. Threatened by. No, I think I think he just didn't. (laughs) Just that. Look, man, I I was um, I was I was just I I was just like uh, I just I just I was learning the business, but I really wasn't learning the business right. I was just learning how to sell the business. I wasn't learning how to service the business. I wasn't learning the operational side of the business, and I was causing a lot of turmoil with the with the other departments. Gotcha.
And so I think he shipped me off and I was naive enough to say, let's go. <laughs> and when I got here, everything changed. And before I knew it, um, I was pretty much left for dead here, man. Like couldn't even get home office to return phone calls. And I said, uh, forget it. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And I quit and, um, and started commercial fleet financing. And then he sued me for breach of my non-compete clause. Oh, really? And I lost access to all my customers except for one guy who, a trucker in Greenville, Texas, who said, uh, man, I don't care about that non-compete clause. You're my finance guy. I'm going to buy my trucks and you're going to finance them. And, and he kept me in business, man. Oh, wow. He got that one, that one guy, Bobby Whitfield, kept me in business. That's beautiful. And so from there, I mean, it just, once you, once you got traction, what's, what's that next step in growth? I mean, once you, obviously it makes sense like why you would stay in this industry like now you've, you, cause you've got your footing in there. Now you're going to do it on your own. You get saved a little bit by the one client. And then how do you, what's going through your head right then? To, how do you to scale? Yeah. Look, man, I was just trying to survive because it got worse. You know, I mean, my, my car got repossessed, multiple eviction letters at that apartment complex. I mean, it was bad for a long time. Um, I, and I was just trying to survive, man. I wasn't trying to thrive. I didn't understand scale. I didn't have a mentor. Nobody was helping me with any of it. And so... You know, for me, it was uh, it was very dark for a long time, Jason. It really was. It was it was tough, and I think that's the biggest challenge that most entrepreneurs or people don't really come to grips with is how difficult and how long it just naturally takes. We get so caught up in these social media and internet stories of you know, people doing it so fast. And, and for yeah. me, it's been a long grind. It's 23, we're celebrating 23 years in business this year. And for the first 10, we didn't make any money. And for the next five, I completely recommitted. And at that point I was starting to have a family and married and all that, which made mm -hmm. the recommitment even more difficult. And then the last eight have been what I call, you know, getting out of the pain side and into the pleasure side where the business is finally doing what it what it was supposed to do when I started it, which was really contribute to the workforce, help client base grow and make more money for their families, and then of course spin off enough cash to, to, to for me to make up the gap. Because the reality is, you know, I watched a lot of my buddies jump ahead of me in their companies and their careers while I was trying to just grind this thing out. You know, why, why don't you why don't we hear more about that? Because that's not a unique story. I mean, it's, I think the, the internet, hey, I made a million dollars, you know, when I went to sleep last night, those are the, if they even exist, for real. Is it just because it's too scary and not sexy? And is that why we don't hear more about that? I don't have the answer as to why that is. I mean, there's just a few people that have the guts to hit record mm -hmm. and, and tell those kinds of, um, of stories and I'm not even so sure there's a huge audience for it. Isn't it easier for us to just see the the quick fix and right. the you know, I mean really who who would sign up for my story? Right? <laughs> right. 
I'll take one of those 23-year ones, please. I'll be broke for 10 years and then, and then you know, almost lose everything again for the next five years and then finally get the payoff for after 15 years. I mean, it just... But, but look, all the guys that I know that have made it, it's a similar run. Mm-hmm. I don't know any overnight guys. Yeah. I, I, every successful guy that I know that, you know, has made it over a period of time, um, we share the same story, that it was just brutal and nasty, and we didn't know which way it was going to go, and where we going to win, where we going to lose. And, you know, I got a buddy, his name is Dave Meltzer, and, and Dave Meltzer, I think, has one of the greatest quotes for entrepreneurs your your sole purpose in life today is to be able to keep the doors open for tomorrow <laughs> that's great yeah and and i think i think the the value though in hitting record and sharing that story is first of first for other for other entrepreneurs is mentally so that okay i'm this has been an insane year i can't get over this next hump you know Oh, other people have gone through that. I think there's there's a healthiness to that, but also to teach that next generation, that next group, that next person coming up, you know, in any other kind of industry that's related. So you can avoid this and that. It may still take you as long. Maybe it takes half as long. Maybe it takes you know three quarters as long. People could do it faster. Yeah, it but took also, me too long. well, and and maybe so. But also, it they may get delayed six other ways, <laughs> sure. but they may not have to go through the same pain points that you went through that way. So are you saying that people um, should hit record because it helps other people? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. And it's it, and it's great, too, because it's really a mutual thing because it, it benefits you. It benefits me to hit record, right, and have this show and talk to people. It benefits you from a business perspective to hit record, but it also helps that audience as well. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, tell you that for me, hitting record is a selfish act um, because, and it's not for notoriety or any of that sort of stuff. It has nothing to do with that for me because I believe in that scenario, I have a tremendous way to go. But mm-hmm. I do it because it forces me to stay honest, and 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 I'm not a crook. Uh, I've left millions of dollars on the table for doing transactions too cheap just to keep credibility. Wow. But I am someone who ran from the truth and um, and I and hitting record forces me to keep it real and to tell the truth. In what ways did you run? Well, I mean, you know, my 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 birth father left when I was 6 months old and I never heard from him or saw him again. My adopted dad, my the, the my mother remarried. He was a very tough guy, uh, very difficult, not physically abusive, but verbally, you know, called my sister and I stupid and idiot and retard every day. And so, you know, for me, you begin to quarantine that pain and sure. you, you begin to build sort of a different lifestyle, a different persona. And it's not who you are. It's who, 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 who can you be to protect that yeah. stuff that you don't want to get out. And who do you have to be around him? That's, that's not really you or, or anybody, anybody else. Even anybody else. You, 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 you know, a person can get beat down to feel so low that, that the only way they can get out of it is through, through virtual reality, right? Through, through not, you know, it's, it's vicious to pull yourself up from the bottom for, by your bootstraps, right? It's much easier to create a different version of it. And so you tell lies, right? You tell, you tell people, I mean, my, my buddy Brad Lee tells this amazing story where 
his self-esteem as a young kid was so low that that he told people uh, he grew you know grew up in this little shack and he would tell all the kids at the playground that his parents owned Disney World and in his mind he believed it and everyone else knew it wasn't until they just began to shun him and and I have a lot of memories of that too where 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 people just called me out and made and and made me feel that I was just full of it and they were right and I was wrong and so but it was there out of out of not hey I want to mislead these people but it was out of out of protection yeah. it was self protectionism and so um, and by the way that happened for me a long time in business too and I think it happens to a lot of people too man it's the Lambos it's the it's the look at me's it's the trying to look bigger than you are it's the rented this and the rented that and and as I began to move up the food chain what I realized is that the only person you're fooling is is yourself because the other ones see it coming a mile away, especially the rich ones. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you're yeah. not going to go and you're not going to fool some of those guys, right? I mean, they see it a million miles away. And it, because you can smell it. You can smell it. You can smell it through a screen. Right. Dude, you can see it in their eyes. You can just tell. And so for me, I know it's a long winded answer, but for me, hitting record forces this level of transparency within myself first. Mm. And if it does help others, that's amazing. But it forces me to um, to not be full of baloney. I love that. And and let's talk about those ways you do hit record because it's literally you do and have a have a show. Um, or is it even kind of multiple shows depending on how you compartmentalize each of those that I've seen, but also from books that you're putting out. Yeah. Um, let's go through each one. I definitely want to talk about you need more money because I do. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, talk about the show a little bit, and what's what was what was that in in that journey, in that twenty three year journey? When did that start, and what was the? Yeah, I mean, I met uh, Grant Cardone a number of years ago, and and I was a huge fan of his stuff. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Cardone, but absolutely, absolutely. I read. Yeah, brother, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I read his book, The Ten X Rule, changed my life. Uh, That's fantastic. You know, and that, and 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 I made a conscious effort to go and meet him, which took me to Mexico onto this sort of whimsical trip. Um, but I, I did get to meet him personally and become friends with him, and um, and through that he introduced me to this group, this sort of seeky seeky group called Two Market Media out of New York, and a guy named Steve Carlos and Hank Norman, who really um, had a, a major impact in getting Cardone to get transparent ah, yeah. and, and get out real. there in front okay yeah and um and so you know i said to them hey listen i i you know, said to cardone listen i want to reach out to these guys you know and he's like go for it and so i called them up and and i remember my first conversation with them i said i want you to teach me the chess game of the media business and they're like well rule number one there ain't no chess game <laughs> right i mean you either got something of benefit mm -hmm. or you don't interesting and uh, yeah, and it's so not the secret hack and all this stuff. No. You show up and tell your story and yeah, and that you and you're going to tell it in a way that resonates with people, or you're going to tell it in a way that's phony baloney. But um, so, long story short, uh, and I'd done it. Uh, I'd done an episode of Cardone's show. He does a show called Power Players, and, and I'd done that show. And so I said to those guys, "Hey, I you know I just did Cardone's Power." They're like, "We got it, dude. Who do you think produces the damn show?" They're like, "We've already seen your episode." We're like, "We already know who you are." So they said, we think you got, you know, we think you got 
you know, a little something, you know, and we would work with you. And so I, I started working with them and really beginning to um, scratch the surface of who the hell am I? And I remember Hank Norman saying, if you get this right, your whole life will be better. And he was right, man. My whole life got better when I started to hit record. Uh, I know for sure that I'm a better father. Um, I think most days I'm a better husband. I'm, I'm definitely a better um, company leader. Um, and, um, and why is that? Is it because of that honesty component or does it go further than that? You know, man, I was looking for what is this next chapter, you know? I mean, I burned so hot up to that $100 million mark. That meant so much to me. It, it was my version of proving everybody wrong, you know? And then uh, once I got there, I was like, man, this is like, now what, you know? And I just had to do some fixing, man. I really did. I had to, I had to, I had to check myself, not from an ego standpoint, but just from a, first from a, I had to just repair some of that pain. There was still... There was still a lot of residual pain that needed to be cleaned up, and and I did. And um, what was that process? If yeah, you don't mind sharing. Yeah, I mean the process was was um, was being held ridiculously accountable to my potential, and to no longer be chasing people who didn't even care that I was chasing them, chasing competitors and chasing phantom people and chasing my old man and. You know, that stuff was, um, that was just silly. What, what I really needed to chase was my true potential. What was I put on this earth to do? And from that moment on, I've pretty much been chasing that. And, and so now I'm going on four years of that chase. And, uh, and, and I think I love every minute of it. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. I, I, I've been on a similar is figuring things out as well you know from and that was interesting past guest Gary Rodriguez has been a massive help to me in that and he that's his specialty right like okay. digging and finding that in folks um, and yeah for me I mean my biological father left year and a half old so you know wow. like a whole full year longer than yours <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <You're it>. well. <laughs> yeah Oh, but it, that was an interesting component for me because I never felt that law. I never felt like, I don't care. And then, you know, to sort of, like you're saying, like, Come okay, there's it. a little bit, there's a little bit of something there. Sure. Let's look at it in the face, sure. move on. And, and but, so that's interesting. But let me make an assumption. I would imagine that that pain point was never part of your relationship with your boys, right? You were already, you were dialed in from the minute they were born. You were, to, right? And, and are, are you married still? Oh, yes. Okay, so probably there was a little touch and go of that in your marriage, maybe a little bit. I'm, I'm making total uh, off-the-wall assumptions. Mm -hmm. But therefore, the biggest challenge was when it was quiet and mm -hmm. you began to say, "Who? I'm good in these areas, but are those areas even real? Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, am I real? I know I'm a good dad, but am I really an incredible dad? Mm -hmm. And for me, it wasn't until I just cleaned up some of that sort of soot or what was left over before I could really, in my opinion, be the best version of me. And um, I know it sounds crazy for a business guy to be talking like that, but once I went on that mission of, you know, cleaning up that those loose ends, everything got better. Oh, I believe it. 
everything got better. It's all connected. You can't separate those things. Why should you? Right. And so we're in this amazing environment now where a marketplace rewards you for being a transparent through that process. Right. Where else has that ever existed in the world where we're perfect? I, 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 like, I, I don't know how many birthday wishes I got on social media yesterday. It was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I, I literally couldn't get back to them all. And I was saying to myself, you know, how amazing is this that people want to exchange like this? They want to wish me something uh, good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just an because amazing impact. You've opened yourself up. You've put yourself out there. And it's, you've, you've, you're a human out across the web to these other people that they can identify with. And it's not this blocked and walled off and just here's the fact and here's my company that life was, you know, so many years ago. I'm not the company anymore. Yep. It wa I was it, it was me. And we've now, we've, we've now matured and it's different. And, and that, by the way, is an incredible experience for a business owner as well to be able to watch other people take the reins and in some situations do it a hell of a lot better than I was doing it. And that's really powerful to be able to turn some things over. Oh yeah, because some people never can. And that it, it, and you you know that that's so much of the reason for that, yeah. this trajectory in the last few, month, few years. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but listen, all that stuff creates some shrapnel too, man. You know, I mean, um, none of, nobody's got it figured out. It's, it's not perfect. Um, there are many days where I know that I could do a better job and be a better version of myself. There are some days where I push myself so hard to tap the potential that it just, I look back and it's like smoldering road, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but to me, that's, that's okay as long as I'm being legit about all of it. Right. And, and uh, constantly evaluating like, oh, okay, that was, that was too much there. That was this, let's re-navigate <laughs> this and yeah. I understand that for sure. And I, I think a lot of that, I know um, your grit audiobook. I that's where we first I first landed, you know, you were on my radar at all. So I, I got that audiobook, um, devoured that, and just it was just great for me. It was a good slap in the face wake up for me because I'm somebody who I've all, always had a great work. I mean, I was the kid, you know, selling stuff on the side of the road at five years old, right? Like I've just always been in that. And these last few years have really been like, why am I not that anymore? What's missing? You know, what's what's that? Like, I work hard. I do this. And everyone from the outside looking in like, oh, yeah, Jason's always working, blah, blah, blah. But I know better. I know that it's not that level of grit like you describe in that book. And there, there's a layer, a layer missing in there for sure. And that was that was a good wake up call f wow, for me. So cool to hear that. So, so how, how did you re tap into it then? It's really been, it's, it's, it's been a, an approach that I'm still trying to figure it out, like how to do it. But first off, it's the awareness of, <laughs> and, and again, facing the problem, <laughs> like, no, that's, you know, that's not working hard, working hard. Yeah is this this and this yeah. and then defining that i'm in that stage right now of defining that for myself like what does that mean what do i need to to meet for me it's getting in front of more people getting you know building up leads building up you know that's for me it's like okay stop 
contemplating all of this. And what's the end? What's the end result? So getting in front of people and getting leads for the end result of having a show picked up. No, building my agency up. That's that's a media company helping people, you know, create shows like Got this, it. do video work and things like that. Gotcha. So gotcha. I know. And for me, sales and having that conversation, none of that's ever an issue. It's just getting in front of more people. So cool. that's, you know, I just got to put the pedal down and, you know, do it instead of like making everything just right, perfect and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, but it's great. So I, I, when did that, when did you, when did you write that? The Grit? The Grit, yeah. Uh, that was my first foray with the two market media guys. So I wrote yeah. The Grit in 15. And that was a self-published book with the sole intention of getting exposure mm -hmm. and also having a platform that could connect with my mindset, right? And then right. we did a radio show called The Grit with them. Um, and then right around that time, we, we ended up with a tragedy in my family, which was my, uh, my wife's uh, brother, her only brother, John, was diagnosed with cancer at 46 with a wife and four kids. And, um, you know, that was a real wake-up call for us because uh, John was diagnosed with stage four cancer and he we came to find out later that he had no health insurance no life insurance and a hundred bucks in a bank and so it was a real a real sort of slap you in the face moment of you know what's going on financially uh, you know we were able to drop in and uh, cover all of their needs, which was a you know a very powerful thing uh, for us. Right, um, it was really our first foray into um, into giving back at a level, a big level, and our lives got better because of it. And his life got as good as it could have gotten. We removed those burdens to try to get him to get him well but it didn't work he died almost a year to the day and that was the that was the spur of the book that was his story told um of this latest book yeah of you need more money and uh yeah it's it's it's, it's an amazing uh storyline of you know shit it can happen to anybody it really can yeah. and so many of us are underprepared we're chasing these old numbers yeah, but but my, my reasoning behind it was, listen, it's not good enough to tell people they need more money, man. we got to give them a roadmap. Yeah. And so I just sort of went back and re, recounted what, what did I do along these stages. And, um, and by the time I was done with it, I was like, hell, anybody can do this. <laughs> and this became the roadmap of the book. Uh, and I'm ridiculously proud. The first part's called The Wake Up Call. The second part is called The Roadmap. And I believe if anybody follows that roadmap, they can they can get to the finish line of, of a financial, financially successful life. So, you know, going through a lot of your material too, based around this book now as well, it's it's up to, to us, the reader, your audience too, to figure out what that number is, right? And, and really get clear on it, um, but define what success means to you, right? It's totally an individual decision, should never be portrayed or pushed on somebody, but, no one will ever tell me that money doesn't matter, period. There's nothing someone can tell me, and a lot of people have tried, that will convince me that money doesn't matter because I saw it firsthand. I've lived it. I saw 
you know, my brother-in-law, beloved to our family, I saw the guilt in his eyes. And dude, when you're looking at a dying man, as you have you had that experience? No. When you're when you're looking at a man on his deathbed, he knows he's gonna die. And he knows that he's leaving his family with no financial wherewithal whatever whatsoever. You will never tell me that money doesn't matter. And by the way, it doesn't have to be earned money, Jason. A person can fix their money situation in that situation with, with life insurance policy. Sure. A, a term life insurance policy for $100,000 could have cost 30 bucks a month. Right. It would have changed everything at the end. Yeah. It wouldn't have made him healthy, but it would have changed all that guilt. Oh, he would have said, he would have said, I'm ready to go to meet my keeper, which my brother-in-law was ready to go. And he would have said, I got 200 grand, 500 grand going to my family. I'm all right. right. But when it's zero, dude, it's a big, and it's, big deal. And especially as, as a man, as what you should be the provider. It's, I think for us as husbands and fathers, it's, it's even, it's just a little notch even more to have that, that kind of feeling inside. So what happens is people who are struggling financially say to themselves, well, I don't see how it's possible, right? I mean, how can I get my hand, how can I build a hundred grand, a million, whatever that number is, it's irrelevant. And the answer is you don't have to, you can hedge with this thing called term life insurance policy and it's dirt cheap. All you got to do is look it up on Google, term life insurance, Dallas, Texas, and go buy as much as you can afford. And it's cheap. Problem fixed, right. just like that. So, so you know, I always say to somebody, if you're not going to spend 23 bucks on my book, you ain't never getting rich. <laughs> because if you, because that one simple sort of slap that says, make sure you have some insurance, and here's how you get it, and here's the cost to it, yeah. that's a game changer right there. It could fix fix the problem. Absolutely, and and I'm I'm so glad you know you talk about money is a big deal it is important and I and I understand people come in the other side who have made it and they go you know money's just not that important you know once you get to a certain level it's not something and I have such a problem with that and I and I get usually the intent is it's not the most important thing and yeah. how much is enough and blah blah and I get that side of it but it's so incredibly insulting to the people who are out there hustling struggling yep. hustling trying to like okay is written gonna happen this month yep to hear somebody say the opposite oh, it doesn't really matter right it's like uh, at the 10x growth con last week Naveen Jain who created a company called I think Infospace it's worth a billion bucks he's on the stage and he's talking about we all need a moonshot in our lives my moonshot is to make poor health optional we're gonna change the way people do it through gut health fix and all that sort of stuff and I'm looking at him I'm saying dude that sounds pretty cool but it's easy to say when you have a billion where's the moonshot when we're just getting going and we're trying to figure you know what the moonshot is how do I pay the rent right and so I agree with you a thousand percent it was almost insulting that everyone should have no you know what everybody should have a piece of the American pie then work on your moonshot right and that's the thing too that that I think it needs to be discussed more as well as is that stage 
the, the different stages of your life. Like you should be selfish, focus on yourself, your business, what you need to do, your family, because the better you are at that, then you have something to give back from experience, money, time. And that's the only way, if you're, if you're kind of trying to do both and give and, well, I shouldn't focus on that, I need to get, get completely selfish and focus on build that up first, then you can give way more. There, it's a, money is a game. There are rules to the game. The rules are make sure you're in the right platform. In other words, an industry in which you actually can see someone who's winning financially in it. Yeah. Unfortunately, so many of us pick these businesses because of, of you know, situations that we like or false promises. You know, I know the one thing that's for damn sure is if somebody comes into my office, I can say, just follow his lead. That guy, you're gonna work 10 feet from a guy who's you know, in the top 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And we have a culture that he'll tell you how to do it, right? For a $5 Subway sandwich, he'll tell you, right? <laughs> So that's an important component, right? What is the platform? I mean, do we really have a chance to make it in that space? Yeah. Um, and then people need to also understand that money is a win-lose game. There is no gray area. And whether that's 26 that you asked the question, did I win it, or 36 or 46 or 86, you will have to come to terms with that answer. And that answer will be, I won, i.e., I get to do what I want, or I lost, and honey, I know I promised you the cruise, and I promised you that we'd go see the kids and the grandkids any chance we want, and we were gonna do the RV across the country, but we just can't swing it. And to me, that's a loss. And everybody has to come to grips with that. Sooner or later, we have to come to grips with the fact, did we win with money, or did we lose? And so the challenge is, let's wake up and win, man. There's tons for it out there, dude. Everybody can get their piece of American pie. Nobody's going to be hurt. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just that's that's the abundance mentality, right? Because it is there for us. Everybody can make it. It's even easier today than when I started 23 years ago. Oh, yeah. The advantages uh, <laughs> across the board in business is just it's unbelievable. The challenge with with the conversation of money is it's so polarizing that it's hard to even get people to the middle to begin to be open about. And that's one of the biggest challenges um, with any book or messaging on money. But, you know, my stance is I don't need to help everybody. I just need to help the people that want to be helped. Yep, that's all you can do. That's all I can do. For sure. So That's fantastic. And the books, by the time this airs, it'll be just coming out. What's the release date? March 20th. Uh, It's available for pre-order on Amazon right now. You've got a copy of it. I hope you enjoy it and give me feedback of it. Absolutely. Um, the audio version has been recorded and that'll come out on March 20th as well. Kindle version's available too. And, um, you know, I need the book to sell. I need, I want to sell 50,000 copies that gets me on the New York Times bestseller list. And that's, that's what I want. And the, the, the challenge with that though is you're not going to sell them. You're not gonna, I mean, look, if I want to sell 50,000 books one at a time, I need to meet probably 300,000 people. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I need people to buy blocks of books. I need people to buy lots of books. Oh yeah. So. Um, but you know, I mean, look, it's not, it's not a joke, this money situation, we will all pay the piper sooner or later with our money choices. And my, my, my suggestion to everybody is let's just put a little more focus on it and let's freaking win because everybody can win. Yeah. And, and give me, so the life insurance was a phenomenal example 
of that. What's another little nugget kind of from the book of, of sort of figuring things out that people can expect from well, digging I, in? I think a real strategy that so many people don't employ, which has probably been the biggest reason that financially I got out of the, you know, the struggle is the creation of two accounts. And one one is the operating account and the other is what I call the reserve account. The operating account is where your check goes into and your bills get paid out of, right? Yep. The second is the reserve account. Now most people would say, yeah, well no shit, man. It's called the savings account. No, it's it's not. It's different. You see a savings account is this second account that most people have at the same bank. And what ends up happening is they pinch off just a little bit and they put in their savings account and then they transfer it back into their operating account, right? And it's all done on our phones now. My reserve account is a fixed amount every single month that goes into an account and my reserve account is at a bank that has two branches. And they are not open on Saturdays and they close at five o'clock. And it's almost impossible to go get my money out. <laughs> right. And so that reserve account is force fed and it begins to build up because it's difficult. No check writing capabilities to it, no debit nice. card capabilities, and uh, no online transfer abilities. So if I want my money out of that bank, I physically have to go to the bank, go to the teller, and say, I need a cashier's check or something right. like that. It's an event to it's go and do that. <laughs> right. It's a pain in my butt. <laughs> A way to even do better than that, though, if someone doesn't have that level of discipline, is do an online account and fund it because then it's going to take you a couple of days to get your money, right. and the emergency may have passed by the time you even get your hands on it. Right. And so what ends up happening is that reserve account begins to build. And then as we talk about in the book, I talk about very sequential steps on how you build your network, similar to what we're doing here, right? Mm -hmm. Connecting. Because once we begin to connect with the right people, those opportunities will come across your desk. That, that, that real estate deal or maybe that investment deal or maybe that startup deal. And and the reality is you in order to take advantage of those opportunities, which don't come along too many times, Romano talks about his stint deal, right? right. It's that that's what I'm getting at. It's that type of a transaction. Absolutely. And if you don't have the cash in the reserve account, you don't you can't buy uh, in. Yeah. And and that number, you know, is an important component to making those moves. So I know, I know it's maybe a little technical. Some people might say it's oversimplified. The reality is it's a reserve account that you have such unbelievable discipline to fund. Because mm -hmm. everybody's like, well, how much do I need to, to invest? My stance is you need 100 grand in your reserve account before you should even think about investing. Because without the 100, you can't buy into those deals. Romano's deal was 250 grand. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. Right. <laughs> what, yeah, mid 80s, early 80s? That was a lot of money. And so today, that number, the entry level number that comes across my desk is a $100,000 buy-in. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's not 10,000 is because nobody wants to carve up the pie and listen to you whine <laughs> for your $10,000 investment. So they're like a hundred grand, the guy's probably gonna leave us alone. Right. And that's what I found. And so my, my stance in the book, Jason, is who's even telling you what that number is? Where do I right. even figure, who know? Dude, I'm telling you, this is my real life experience that says, that's, that's fantastic. When I had 10, it didn't get me squat. I had to build my network, forcing my reserve account. I get a little money put away. The deal comes across. I happen to have it. I can get into the deal. The deal introduces me to other guys. I'm funding my reserve account because I have my business, my ATM. I call it the personal ATM, which is my business. It's throwing off cash because I'm in the right platform because of my niche. Yep. 
and then and then the the machine starts to actually turn and then you're like well wait a minute i got my reserve funded again and this other deal just came well could i get in that deal too we were hoping you were going to ask let's do right and then and then all of a sudden the whole thing begins to spin that's, that's and such huge and that takes a little bit of time yeah that's a decade it's discipline it does but that and 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 but that's a decade mm-hmm. but my point is if we're totally behind at 45 okay i'm showing you how to fix it by 55 right if you're totally behind at 55 i'm showing you how to fix it by 65 if you're totally behind at 65 I'm showing you how to fix it by 75. Do the average life expectancy of a man in the United States is 84 years old now. If you're 25, I'm showing you how to get filthy, stinking rich by 65. Yeah. Right now, I don't have that luxury because I was I was late. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have the luxury of time, hopefully. Sure. But it, but if I had so if I read this book at 25 <laughs> and started to put this in, and by 35 I was capable of making the moves that I'm making now. By the time I was 65, I'd have $50 million, right? And this is so valuable because you don't get this telling you that number, telling you to think about this because of those kind of deals and build. You hear, you should network. Yeah. You should meet people. You yeah. should save. Here's logistically, here's how this works. Here's how the machine works. I think that's, I think that's phenomenal. Here's the rules of the game. As I learned them, and not taught by me, not to, not taught to me by right. anybody. I had to figure this stuff out on my own, and I want to help a lot of people with it. So, but it's all threaded with this, this wake-up call of my brother-in-law used to say, "I, I know I'm behind, man, but I got time. Mm. I got time." Yeah. Dude, we don't know we got time. We just don't know. Yeah. We got time is now. So. Anyway, I hope I, I'm grateful for our time together, and I hope that it was it was it was it was helpful. I I know that the book, um, it's written in super plain English. Um, you know, 97% of books that get pitched to a major publisher in New York get turned down, right? So, we already made that cut. Nice. Now we just <laughs> got to get on the New York Times bestseller. You know. Oh yeah, get the book. Get the book. Get 12 books, at least. <laughs> That's a good upsell. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to, to dig in and, and, and devour this thing. Cool. I hope you tell me what you think of it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Thanks so much for cool. being on. Dude, how do, it's how my do pleasure. Follow up. What's the best way? MattMonero.com? Matt, Matt Monero on all social medias. Okay. MattMonero.com. You need more money podcast. I'm a big, uh, you know, I love my podcast. We push out a lot of content, man. Great three show. Three episodes a week. You know, that's we fantastic. pump out tons of content on that. That's yeah. a, that's a lot of editing, right? Think about it. each, as you know, because of your business, each podcast is like you know, a thirty-minute film. Oh yeah. Recorded, scripted, edited, sounded, graphicked. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And you've got you've got the team inside. Yeah. Met one of those guys, which is great. But you you need that. Man, there's so many. Like, we'll have to do. A, we'll have to do a part because because let's so, do a follow up after the book. After you read that. the book, that'll that'll be fantastic because it's just I think you're doing it so right all the way on how you're hitting record like we talked about mm. um, and kicking that out and and I'd love to get into that in in the future on on the results that you've seen through let's that do building it. that in. Yeah, let's go, man. Thanks awesome. so much. Great to see you. Thanks so much for watching this episode. I hope it resonated with you. Um, the way it did with me, both in his personal journey and story and how critical getting, getting the personal life and business life um, 
fixed so that they work together, right? Um, that that they are so intertwined and and like Matt said, they they, they should be. You know, I think that's I think it's phenomenal. Um, and then also, you know, his whole motivation behind the new book, "You Need More Money," um, just an incredible story. And uh, I think it's I think it's going to be powerful and and like Matt mentioned, really change the lives of folks who are looking to change their lives and, and, and make that effort and realize, oh, wow, I do need to take care of myself, my family, my finances in a way that I'm not doing quite yet. So it's really powerful stuff. Make sure you head over to mattmonero.com, Matt Monero across all social, um, as he mentioned there. And you know, if you want to dig in like Matt's doing with, with his own production and shows that he's kicking out and the brand that he's building for himself, if you want help with that, give me a shout. You know, Head over to croftmediaco.com and see a little bit of what we do there. And then just you know, reach out. Um, let's have a strategy, strategy session. That's what I do for people um, all day long is help them create shows just like this one. And if you like this show and uh, like interviews like this, make sure you subscribe here on YouTube. And if you're listening right now on the podcast, subscribe in iTunes. Leave us a review, if you will. Help us get found there in the whole ecosystem. And we'll see you on the next one. It's Saturday night. Saturday night and I'm feeling kind of silly When the coat on cause the air was chilly But I'ma make my way out to the record spot Gotta find some new breaks for the beats to rock I gotta come with the flavor like some lifesavers On now and later's Dr. Beatmaker If I'm a player it's like you take deck And if you miss the gig then take a rain check Stacks of wax piled high to the ceiling Need a U-Haul truck if I would think about stealing But it's not my steed so I commence with the digging No kidding, something that'll keep the beats hitting What I'm getting, so much to choose from, bro.